0: We're going to continue in Deuteronomy 1 and we've come to verse 34. How serious the severity of God is when his wrath is displayed upon his people. Moses continues here recounting the plight of the Israelites. Uh, that they have been through. He, of course, is giving his farewell address. He won't be living uh, to go across the Jordan, but we continue on in in uh, Moses' speech to them. And the next thing he addresses that they now remember what he's doing is he's he's preparing. Uh, a new and young generation for what they are about to experience by recounting what their parents had been through and where their parents had failed. So it's it's not like he's reminding the people who actually did these things. They pretty much are already dead. He does this for the sake of uh, those who are about to cross over into Canaan. So, God's anger and God's pleasure toward his people. And his people have to understand that uh, God can be angry with his people, as is seen here. Uh, first of all, he's going to talk about God's anger that fell upon the people. So, he again continues to recount Yahweh heard the sound of your words, he became angry and swore saying, If any of these if any of these men of this evil generation sees the good land, which I swore to give your forefathers, and we're going to stop in the middle of a long sentence here because where it's headed is, I'm not going to let them go in. That's where it's headed. Now notice verse thirty four. He heard the sound of their words. In the text it's a little it's an interesting emphasis. He didn't just hear the words. He heard the words the way they were spoken. As as though the words and the way that the people spoke their words toward Yahweh um, revealed an unfaithful heart. uh, A fear, a faithlessness. So he could tell by the way they were saying what they said that they didn't have any faith in. Now we're talking here where we've come to this part about where they've come right to to the point where the the 12 spies are sent out and they come back and bring back the report and the vote is 10 to 2 not to go with Caleb and Joshua being the dissenting votes. And so at that point, they're just that close. Nearly 40 years earlier, just that close. They could have had it. But they were faithless. They did not trust God. They did not believe him. They really didn't believe his word. In his word, he had told them uh, what they were going to uh, have. They just didn't believe his word. So he heard the sound of their words. He became angry and he swore saying, if any of these uh, men of this evil generation seize the good land, which I swore to give your forefathers. Now it's going to happen. Because Yahweh will be good to His word, but it's not going to happen with that particular generation because they have become faithless. For all they had seen and experienced, they become faithless. However, he expresses his pleasure with Caleb, with Caleb. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he will see it, and I will give him the land he trod upon and to his children because he has completely followed Yahweh. Now, Caleb's name means wholehearted. Caleb, I've told you this before, but it bears reminding us that Caleb is not an Israelite by birth. He's actually an Edomite. Actually, he actually descends from Esau. But somewhere along the way, his family, maybe it was Caleb himself, connected with Israel and Caleb became an Israelite. Not just that, he became a wholehearted Israelite, thus his name. And not just an Israelite, but he joined himself to the tribe of Judah who carries the promise of the Christ in that day. Not just any tribe, but the tribe of Judah, uh, the royal tribe, and it was the tribe of Judah that always went out front when they marched toward the promised land, and it was the tribe of Judah which would uh, engage the battle before anyone else. He wanted to be in the best, toughest, uh, hard, hardest working part of Israel. Sometimes people will be faithful to a point, and then they don't really want to, when it, when it becomes uncomfortable or whatever, they don't, to, they don't want to really continue doing something that uh, they had previously committed themselves to do uh, to the Lord. Caleb's not that way. As a matter of fact, this term, to completely follow or to, to wholeheartedly follow, to be wholehearted, that term, Is listed several times in connection with his name. He wasn't, he wasn't a, his commitment wasn't halfway. He was absolutely and totally committed to Yahweh. And it didn't matter how bad things looked, if Yahweh's word was given to him regarding something, he he was faithful. He was always faithful. Now, we learn in Joshua, when they went over into the land, Caleb, when the spies went over into the land, Caleb admired uh, the land of the Agagites and uh, and the Anakim. not the Agagite, the uh, Anakim, along with the Agagites. Anyway, it's a mountain. It was the plushest part when you first enter into Canaan. It was very productive. It was plush and green. And... Uh, It was well watered and well planted, but it was occupied by giants and they had built walled cities. Not just those things, but if someone was going to fight them to displace them, he had to go uphill because it was on a mountainous area. So to fight a war against giants who were already dug into a walled city, and to go uphill to do it was a difficult task, but we, we learn in the book of Joshua that Caleb, when he said, this is nothing, Yahweh promised me this, this is the land, Yahweh promised me and I want that land. When they first went in and Joshua was giving the land out, he first asked Caleb, what land do you want? I want that land. That's the land that was promised to me when we were over here as spies and I want that land. So 80 year old Caleb in the book of Joshua had no problem conquering that high plateau that high plain that high place where the giants lived in walled cities now let's go back here moses says caleb will see the land and i will to whom yahweh said i will give him the land he trod upon into his children because he has completely followed yahweh he did not Back down in any way. So there are great spiritual lessons here along the way. Um, Half-hearted commitment. Doesn't gain anything. Yahweh requires. Whole-hearted. Commitment. Seen here especially. In the life of uh, Caleb. Now. Then he, then Yahweh express, and Moses is the one talking about it. Now he expresses his displeasure. He was pleased with Caleb, displeased with Moses. Now think about this. Poor old Moses. He was the leader of two million people, all of whom wanted to go in their own direction. None of whom were really, uh, Fond of following Moses. And then he had his detractors. He had those others who tried to stir up trouble. Then they complained when they got so far away from Egypt and it looked like they weren't going to be able to eat or drink water. Or and the people murmured and complained and all this kind of thing. And Moses was faithful and more than once God spoke from heaven to tell the people that Moses was his man. Moses had the most difficult job in the world, to try to lead these millions of people through a a long stretch of wilderness into a land where they were going to be fought against, where they were going to have to engage battle uh, immediately. Now, the uh, the logistics of the travel, if not for the presence of God, would have been utterly impossible. But God fed them manna. and He provided water out of a rock and all these things. And But Moses, as a leader, had a higher responsibility. And it is seen in no better place than here in the scriptures. To whom much is given, much shall be required. God had... Uh, backed Moses up on every occasion when there was a question about Moses' leadership. There was that one time, and the psalmist, if I can think of how the psalmist puts it, when he, he said, Moses became bitter in his spirit, the people. He had had all that he could take. And, and Moses became embittered in his spirit, the psalmist describing Moses' uh, Adventure by striking the rock he became bitter in his spirit and then he became sinful with his lips something like that that's what the psalmist says so it started in his heart I mean the guy after all was just a vessel of clay and he had been so good to a point but he couldn't take it any longer and he did what God told him not to do So even Moses has to answer to Yahweh. Here, Moses says, Yahweh was also angry with me because of you. (laughs) I like the way he says it. Because of you, Moses got angry with me saying, neither will you go there. You people really ticked me off and you, found my, you finally found my raw nerve. And now look at us all. Because of you, Yahweh also angry with me. And he's not going to let me go into the land. Pleased with Caleb, displeased with Moses, pleased with Joshua. Joshua and Caleb were the two of the twelve who voted to go into the land. So Moses reiterates what had already been established that Joshua will take his place when he's dead. But Joshua, the son of Nun who stands before you, he will will go there. He's gonna get in. Strengthen him for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Joshua also has a difficult task. Moses has to take them from point A to point B, but once they reach point B, now Joshua is going to have to lead a battle. He's going to have to lead the people into battle to conquer the land, and then he's going to have to dispense the land. And that's not going to be an easy task, thinking thinking of how Everyone would have his own idea about what part of the land he would want. But Yahweh was with him. As a matter of fact, he says, he says to Joshua, Yahweh says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So it comes to the point where people have to accept uh, the leadership of Joshua. Well, before that ever happens here, Moses is setting up the situation. Joshua is going to lead you there. You need to strengthen him. There was a time when you weakened me. That's kind of what Moses is saying to contrast this statement with his immediate previous statement. You finally caught up with with my humanity. But you don't need to do this with Joshua. Now understand this is a new generation. And Among other things, Moses is teaching this generation about the failures of their fathers, the previous generation. And they're they're really drinking this in because when they get across the river, we saw in Joshua how they reinstigated uh, uh, circumcision. They set up the memorial stones. They were totally committed to the task at hand, which was to conquer the land that Yahweh had given to them as Abraham's descendants. So, this is a new and really better group of people than the previous generation. But he reminds them you have to stand behind Joshua and be a strength for him. Don't be a weakness to him because he will cause Israel to inherit it. He is the one who will bear the responsibility to give you your part of the promised land. What a job! What a task! To lead these people into battle, to take it over, to displace the enemy, and then to dole out the land of promise. Then Yahweh has pleasure. He's pleased with the innocent children, but he's not pleased with their parents. Now this is an interesting part of this passage. Moreover, your little ones whom you said will be victims or will fall prey... And your children who on that day did not go no good and evil they will go there and I will give it to them and they will possess it. So Yahweh is, is really indicting that older generation. You know they're, they're blaming if you go back if you remember what we stated in that they're blaming Yahweh for putting their children at risk. Now that's just a a bunch of bull, if you will, they, they don't, I don't know how much they believe that, but they had become convinced that Yahweh was not acting in their behalf. They were faithless, as I said. Using their children, and they're so young, they didn't even know good from evil. They didn't, they were young, they didn't know how to make decisions or or, or what the issues were, but the parents were using them to come against Yahweh. So again, the parents further expressing uh, their faithlessness and their sinful attitudes, you said they were going to be victims, that Yahweh was living, was, was leading Israel to utter and total and absolute and certain destruction, that the, the, the new generation, the babies, are going to be killed along with the older people. But they're going to go there And I will give it to them and they will possess it. Great uh, instruction for this younger generation to whom Moses is preaching. And it is this. Yahweh has already given you this inheritance, this land. Yahweh knows your hearts. Yahweh knows that you don't have the faithless heart and attitude that your fathers had. And he has already given you this land. So he has declared, and it's a a big statement to the faithfulness of Yahweh and to the foolishness of faithlessness, to the foolishness of the previous generation. They were were trying to fall back on on some kind of pitiful uh, excuse and fear that their children were going to be killed While at the same time said Yahweh was essentially saying, no, not only are they going to survive, they're actually going to be the ones who inherit the land. Parentheses. Because they're going to have more faith than you have. They're going to be stronger than you. Now, the next lesson in his oration here is to warn the people that sin will never advance them. In their cause. It always is a stumbling block. It actually can take them backwards. So in verse 40, but as for you, still talking to that older generation, but as for you, turn yourselves around and journey into the desert by way of the Red Sea, that close to the land of Canaan, unfaithful to God's direction, and God says, okay. You can't go forward anymore. You're going to have to go backward. And they did for the next 38 years. They wandered there until they all were dead. This was by the direction of Yahweh himself. Turn around, go back, journey in the desert by way of the Red Sea. Next, he warns this new generation of another fault that the older generation had suffered from. And it is this. When Yahweh brought them face to face with their sin, they had, they had no recourse but to accept it. But they tried to bypass the discipline that goes with it. You see, sin always carries its consequences. Uh, and these people refused, the older generation refused to believe that. So, beginning in verse 41, then you answered and said to me, "We have sinned against Yahweh. We will go up and fight according to all that Yahweh our God has commanded us. So every one of you girded his weapons and you prepared yourselves to go up to the mountain." Okay, so previously God was leading them into a battle which he would, uh, guar- in which He would guarantee their victory. They sinned against God. They're, they're confronted with their sin, the consequences of their sin. And so they say, well, we've changed our minds. We're going to go and fight this battle. Well, it's too late. Uh, They're not the ones to fight this battle at this point in time. You prepared yourselves to go up to the mountain and fight. And Yahweh said to me, to Moses, say to them, neither will you go up to fight, for I'm not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. Stand down. I'm not going to be with you. You try this, you're on your own, and you're going to be wiped out. You're going to be defeated. You'll be struck down before your enemies if you do this on your own. So I spoke to you, but you did not listen. You rebelled against the command of Yahweh. You acted wickedly and went up to the mountain thinking they could accept the sin and reject the discipline. Oh, this is going to be a great thing. They'd already won some battles and they just seem to be so invincible. But Yahweh proves the point that they only win the battles because he's with them. And that they are powerless without him. So they're going to bypass the discipline and up they go. Finally, God's angry silence the Amorites dwelling in that mountain came out towards you and pursued you like bees and beat you down in Seir as far as Hormah. They lost the battle. They were humiliated. So you returned and wept before Yahweh. But Yahweh would not hear your voice, nor would he listen to you. You dwelled in Kadesh many days as the days that you dwelled. One of the awfulest things that I could think of is for those who are considered to be the people of God having sinned against God and saying, okay, I accept it, I did it, and then arrogate themselves to a position where they say, but I'm still going to do this work for you, Yahweh. And Yahweh says, I'm not with you. You can't do that. And go ahead and do it anyway. Be humiliated in the process and in the effort to utter defeat and come back and seek Yahweh and Yahweh will not hear. He will not answer. He will not listen. Now, it works itself out in the course of time but still reveals how terrible the sinful condition was of this older generation. As a matter of fact, the further we go in Deuteronomy, the more we realize we just sort of had the summary of events. Uh, You know, like in the book of Numbers, for example, we only had a summary of events, but we're having here the instruction of how insulted Yahweh was in this whole thing. And how he intends for them to pay absolutely for them to suffer the consequences of their faithless attitude. And so you go, you, you just aimlessly go to a place, you stop there, you don't know what to do. Well, the best thing to do is just stay there. And sooner or later, perhaps, Yahweh will come around and pick it up from there how serious the severity of God, how serious it is to disobey God and the severity of his wrath even upon those who are supposed to be his people, even to the extent of a leader like Moses. Moses never saw Canaan because Moses himself displayed a sinful and faithless attitude, albeit for a brief moment in time. But there was much more than that expected of him in the position where he found himself. Well, these instructions will continue next time. We'll pick it up there next time. So let's pray. We'll be through tonight. Father God in heaven, Lord, help us to be humble before you and walk humbly before you in our journey of life. Teach us the things that we need to know and strengthen our faith with everything that we experience in life. And we trust you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.